Hello and welcome to episode 227 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, spikes, and doom wakes. For the casual spike, I think I just gave away the guests. My name is Shane, here in Denver, Colorado. With me on the line from Massachusetts, it's Devin O'Donnell, also known as Doomwake, if you're nasty. Only if you're nasty, though. Well, you're not. You're a nice we got boy. The, we got the casual spike in here. What about the non-casual spike? Which what, See, the question is, non- which version of spike do we have today? Yeah, is it is it just spike? Is it aspiring spike? I think today I'm the unofficial fourth host of the dive down, <laughs> which makes Doom the official fifth host of the dive down. <laughs> How can you be four before have, I'm five? That makes no I sense. I was already named four many years oh, ago. Okay, all right. Yeah, we do. We have Everett Mohan coming out of Texas to join us. Long time regular guest host. Been a little busy. Been a little out of the dive down loop, but we've got him back. Welcome, uh, Spike. What's up, Everett? Yeah, a lot is up. It is like, <laughs> like this. It feels like every time I'm on the dive down, it's like the busiest week of my entire <laughs> life, and and this week is like no exception. And then I, I have a very, very action packed couple of months ahead of me too. Really? Well, I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, I think. We'll just devote a lot, a lot of time to talking about what you both have been up to. You've both been playing a lot of Magic, a lot of interesting things happening in Pioneer. I'm kind of interested to see what you have to say about Modern, Everett, because we've been so focused on Pioneer lately that I feel like I feel a little out of the loop of Modern, but I know you're still grinding away uh, on your stream. But if you all don't know, uh, Aspiring Spike, regular, long-time, mostly Modern streamer, joining us back on the on the pod everett how's how's the stream been going uh stream has been really good i was also taking a little bit of a detour into pioneer for like like the two weeks before this week um trying to get ready for regional championship dallas and then also the last chance qualifiers for regional championship dallas that went really well for me because i had doomwake staying with my house and that was awesome and then i also happened to win my lcq and qualify for the modern pro tour which is very exciting yeah cinderella big spoilers yeah it was absolutely cinderella story no, it's beautiful. I can't wait to talk to you about that. That's an awesome experience. Um, I guess I'll just give a quick overview of what I think is going to happen this week. So we will start with a quote-unquote breakdown. We'll talk about uh, your all experiences down in Texas the other week at the RC, You know, grinding the LCQs, doing some side events, playing in the RC if you're Spike. I want to talk a little bit about what Pioneer kind of looks like uh, after the RC and doom i know you had an rcq that you played with racto sack talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about about modern and then we can get into revisiting probably a little bit about the the top hits from the first batch of lord of the Rings spoilers that we did last week with dave and stan and then i think there's a few cards that have been spoiled since we did our last episode that i want to get into as well so hopefully we'll see how long we can actually get into some of these because sometimes it takes 30 seconds. Sometimes it takes 15 minutes to, I think, actually talk about some of these cards. Mm -hmm. So let's get through housekeeping really quickly. You all just, you know, twiddle your thumbs for a bit. As I talk about no new patrons, no new increased tiers, no new reviews this week. That was fast. So if you do want to support us on Patreon, if you want to throw some of your hard earned cash our way, help keep us going. Patreon.com slash the dive down. A bunch of different tiers to join at gives you a bunch of different rewards. 
And if you want to support these two, they both stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash aspiring spike, twitch.tv slash D00MWAKE. Subscribe to these people. They're better content creators than us. You should give them your hard-earned money as well. If you don't want to support us through Patreon, go to our store, thedivedown.com slash store. Get yourself a hat, a fanny pack, a t-shirt, whatever you're into. Or if you play Magic Online, you want to use some Mana Traders subscription, you can use code THEDIVEDOWN2023, get you 10% off your first two months. Our friends over at Barrister and Man, longtime sponsors of The Dive Down, grooming products, shaving soaps, body soaps, all that good stuff, fragrances, thedivedown.com, M23, like Magic 23. And then uh, our friends over at NRG Plus just give listeners 8% off. Again, we get no kickback from that. You just get 8% off. Dive 8 Okay, there's some there's some fast housekeeping because, y'all, so you were in Texas the other week at the RC. I was, yeah. Tell me all about this, and and you were hanging hanging out together. Let me live vicariously. Let me enjoy time spent with two old friends. Uh, how'd that look? What do you all do? It was fun. I had a great time. I met the you know finally get to meet Lucy. I've I've barely even seen Lucy. That's your newer dog, right, Spike? Yeah, she's our our second dog. She's great. She loved Doomwake. Um, Aww. And then Athena ended up sleeping in the guest room with Doomwake every single night too. They're very sad that that he's gone. But it was <laughs> it was an awesome weekend. I don't know. Like obviously, like playing Magic is cool and doing well is fun. Sometimes. But yeah, sometimes. But just I think the, the gathering and the dinners and hanging out is really what it's all about. And. This was like easily like my most memorable weekend as far as like good hangs go. Like I got to meet a lot of people, hang out with a lot of people for the first time, and it was just it was just the best. It was just the best ever, to be honest. Oh, that's great. I mean, yeah, it, that's that's the good stuff, right? That's I, I remember even back at uh, the Pioneer. I forget whether it was a GP back when they had GPs. <laughs> you know, when we first, I think I first met you IRL when we were in Phoenix, hanging out with some of the dive down crew, getting some pizza and some drinks. That was a blast. How long were you down there, uh, Doom? Uh, I got there on I think we got I got there on Thursday night, and then I left on Monday. So Thursday through Monday, it was an amazing time. I had so much fun. Who else did you all see down there? Just a bunch of random names that we would all know, or just some some old friends, some streamers. Yeah, a lot of people like like the first like Jarvis. You ended up hanging out with us for a long time. Jesse Titty Pills, uh, Amaz, who's also like a local uh, to Dallas, and he's you know more of like a variety streamer, but he's hanging out with us too. Uh, Anurag, Hitachi, Todd Anderson. Um, just, I, I feel like I'm forgetting some people too, but it was just <laughs> like, so many people. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was sweet. I feel like I wouldn't be invited to this hangout. I'd be like, Shane's Shane's just, <laughs> these guys are just a tier lower than us at this uh, no, point. No, we definitely invite you, Shane. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. Know. We got to get the, the booster seat for Shane. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, it makes me feel bad that we didn't get down because we were at, we were in Atlanta at the RC um, a while ago now at this point. And I, I, Dallas is close to me. I need to just come down to Dallas just to hang. I guess there's not another one of those till next year. So Yeah, I mean, you can always, if you're ever in Dallas, you know, we're happy to, to have you, happy to hang. Oh, thank you. So, Devin, let's first talk about your game plan down at Dallas. I remember you saying the week before you left that you were just going to go 
see what happened at the LCQs. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were watching your experience on Twitter, on uh, your Discord, just kind of keeping tabs on what was going on. What were you playing and, and how did things go? Uh, playing the LCQs on Friday because I, I was not qualified for the regional championships on Saturday. Uh, ended up playing in five LCQ, LCQs, excuse me, including the very, very last one, which fired like... I don't even remember exactly. I think it fired like 5.30 or 6 p.m. at night. Uh, and then uh, ended up unfortunately not qualifying. Uh, the very last one I lost in top four. It's a pretty heartbreak, uh. heartbreak, heartbreaker of a match. And But it was a lot of fun. Like I said, you know, I had, I had a great time. It was, uh, wouldn't trade it for the world. But uh, yeah, I played Boros Convoke in, in all the LCQs. I didn't switch it up. No, all of them. Okay, yeah, you didn't pivot out. Like I, you, you said, you you mentioned you might think about pivoting out, but it was just running pretty well for you and well enough to keep going. I thought about it, but I don't know. It just I, I put so much time and effort into the Boros Convoke deck that I didn't I didn't want to just you know kind of I didn't want to try something else. And I was pretty I was still pretty confident in it, even though like it, it felt like the games that I was losing weren't necessarily like they weren't blowout games. They were all pretty close. Maybe matchups that I yeah. didn't prepare as much for. So I still thought that the Boros deck was you know good against the expected field word and so what did you do the rest of the the event so like friday didn't work out and so were you on site saturday sunday that kind of thing just hanging out or playing side events or they actually had 10ks on both saturday and sunday oh yeah so i played the sealed 10k on saturday and my pool was pretty awful so i ended up i think i dropped it like two three or whatever and then played the 10k which was pioneer on sunday i played rakdos mid-range started off five and oh and then lost the last Ugh. two rounds our last round round six and seven and then there was one more round of swiss but we wanted to go get dinner instead and if i played the last yeah. i could have like played the last round for min cash but i would have missed dinner and not going to do that so i decided to go to dinner instead no. the, the social equity and experience of that is is usually way better than playing another oh, yeah. round of magic i, I found yeah yeah that awesome. was that was the best dinner we went to oh, it was. Like a steakhouse and it, they had this <laughs> pineapple this like grilled pineapple oh, soaked in rum it was so <laughs> good it's like the cinnamon sugar on the outside. They actually like, yeah. so they, what they would do is they would, they basically put cinnamon sugar and they kind of roasted the cinnamon sugar on the outside and they would bring out the pineapple. And once the first layer was gone, they would bring it back in, put more cinnamon sugar no. on and then bring it back out. No. It was, oh, so that sounds better than the meat. Yeah, it was it was actually the best. <laughs> it really thing there. was, yeah. Everyone was like really hyping it up, and I thought for sure they were exaggerating, but it didn't yeah. even being underhyped somehow it was crazy. <laughs> that's a, that's always the best experience. It's like you know you're looking forward to something, or people people are looking forward to something. You're like ah, maybe it's it's better for that's like a local thing. Like they're just like and you're like oh man, this is astounding. This is blowing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so good what was your event like spike at the rc so i i was also playing the lcqs i had spent a couple weeks trying to like brew and innovate and find an interesting angle on pioneer and that's not like you at all yeah not like me at all uh, honestly like i feel like i failed to do that and i ended up picking uh mono green devotion as the deck to play a deck that i felt like got a big buff from pelucranos and a deck that like i was getting crushed by in testing and i was also crushing with when i was testing it off stream um, but what's kind of interesting is I think a lot of other players did innovate really well over the last couple of weeks and did find like really cool and interesting decks to play, which I think is exciting. And I, I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. But uh, I stuck with the green machine. And um, I mean, th th that deck is obviously like just like like on, on one level, it's just like very broken. But also on another level, <laughs> it was like very easy to predict that Rakdos midrange would be the most popular deck in the format, yeah. which both like pushes aggro decks out of the metagame and also like 
a lot like is a good matchup for green despite like what every Rakdos player in the world would go every Rakdos player goes when you tell them it's a bad matchup for green goes no well um actually it's it's fine for Rakdos <laughs> it's fine uh and like Rakdos has I, no I think bad matchups yeah, no bad matchups. And obviously you could win as Rakdos, but I think the data over all the regional championships proved is like what's like sixty five percent for green against Rakdos, something like that. Yeah, it was it was very convincing in my opinion. Like the data from across the aggregate, it was yeah, like mono green is a good Rakdos matchup, especially right now. Yeah, and, and so it wasn't so complicated. I just like tried to I, I picked what I felt like was the best deck for the field. Uh, it definitely helped that Mono Green is like just like disgusting and broken, and if you know how to pilot it well, you're going to crush your opponents a lot of the time. And I also like won most of my die rolls, and I got pretty lucky, and now I'm qualified for the Pro Tour. Yeah. Okay, so you you did the LCQ into the RC. Yes, I did. Okay, so you won the LCQ. I, I did. Yeah, it was really funny. I have a fun story in like round three of the LCQ. I'm paired against uh, Jesse Titty Pills, a friend of mine who we had dinner with. She's great. You should uh, subscribe to her Patreon if you want good Pioneer content. It's like maybe after the Dive Down podcast, the number one <laughs> Patreon. Yeah, we, we, we mentioned Jesse so many times because, you know, we cover the NRG pretty heavily and, and you know, she's a, a big name on the NRG circuit. So, yeah, Jesse's Jesse's high quality content creator and a great player. Yeah, absolutely. But so we, we got paired against each other in round three. And so we sat down and they're like saying that the LCQ is about to end. So we both sit down and we sign up for the last LCQ at the same time together. And then we just play as fast as possible. So whoever loses <laughs> is able to get into the last LCQ. And I ended up winning the match. And Jesse barely, because we played really fast, Jesse barely has time to make it into the last LCQ. And then she wins her LCQ also. So it was it was Whoa, really it was yeah. really a, like one of those like fun like you know tournament moments. I don't, I, I'm sure some people have had similar experiences at, at like RCQs and oh, all the time. Yeah. I'm always winning one, and then my friend wins the next one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, that's sweet. That's a good story. So tell me a little bit about what Mono Green's looking like right now. I mean, like we, I know what it looks like, right? But how does it play any differently than it used to? Do you think Pelucranos? is kind of the, the 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 most recent key change does it like help up help shore up the Rakdos matchup because like the redundant bodies does it help shore up anything in the air because it has reach I actually think it's at its worst of the Rakdos matchup. It's obviously fine there, but it is just like a three mana creature that dies to the removal spells. But sure. it, it just gives you like seven big dumb green things that you can play on turn two that just like stonewall the aggro matchups. And especially having reach, it's like so good against spirits. And the four or five reach is really good against Grease Fangs and Angels. And th this card also transforms into a six power lifelinker if you have six mana lying around, which you do a lot of times as Green Devotion, which helps you stabilize against the aggro decks, letting you gain life. There's even some like fun tricks you can do where you um, you legend rule both your Pelucranoses to get a bunch of uh, a bunch of hydro tokens, which is not something that like ever came yeah. up. But <laughs> there's like there's some extra utility there too. And so I, I'm a big believer in three copies of Pelucranos, where um, drawing that second copy lets you like get those tokens or flip one copy, play a second copy. It also it's also kind of fragile to removal, so second copy is not too bad. So a question that we were tossing around on the Dive Down Discord, uh, Mickey S, uh, Turtle Power, he's, you know, I'm sure, sure regular on both your all streams. We were kind of saying, hey, is this now the time to have Mono Green run Skylasher again in the board? Because it did have weaknesses against Spirits. It did have some weaknesses, I think, against, what else was it that, a couple of decks that seem like they would just have some flyers. Is Skylasher time back? And they were like, well, what would you possibly take out of that wishboard? So since you played a lot of this deck this past weekend, what would you say are 
the your most used wishboard cards and your least used wishboard cards and which ones would you consider on the bubble for people who are trying to experiment and brew and just think about how they might tweak their their wishboard. I actually do like the Skylasher idea. Uh, I want to say I, I I beat I was two and one against spirits on the weekend. Oh, that's pretty but, strong. But both times my spirits opponents could have won if they had played better. They mm-hmm. they uh, and so like the matchup is so bad for for green for sure. Uh, as far as like Karn wish targets go, I think like. What one wish target that I played that I saw a lot of people not play, and one that I would have I would have not won my LCQ with, and I would have lost I think three matches of the regional championship without. <laughs> so it, was, it was good. Shadow Spear, spear baby. So many, oh, so many people yeah. don't play the Shadow Spear. I, I there's some matchups where you board it in, where uh, against Spirits is one of those matchups where like Old Growth Troll is like a particularly bad card to draw because it doesn't have flying and like they just can ignore it pretty easily. But but also like being able to wish for it against like a Tarkarad, being able to to wish for it game one against Spirits, it just is a card that stabilizes you. It just stabilizes you. There's also like an extra trick against Lotus Field where you can get it with Karn, activate it, turn off Hexproof on Lotus Field, then beside you there. Lotus Hell Field yeah. is not not something that comes up very often, but is like a really fun interaction. And when it happens, you can tell all your friends about it. Um, <laughs> That's why we play. Yeah, I I've been. I've I've been I was I've been a long time proponent of like the Dark Seal Citadel in the sideboard for Karn and like yeah. there are definitely plenty of times you want it but I do think if you're trying to fit a card like Skylasher in the board I feel like your Utility Land is definitely one that can get cut. Um, I also There's a lot think of people cutting statue now too. Yeah, a lot of people cut statue. I played the statue. I I didn't play Mightstone Meekstone and I didn't play. Yeah. Um, transmogifying wand. Yeah, those um, seem like the two that are on the bubble for me, just yeah. like by looking at it. But I also just have not played enough with this deck recently to possibly speak intelligently to this. Yeah, I, I think that those are the the cards on on the bubble. I think that like I would for me, I would never leave home without Shadow Spear, Damping Sphere, Sky Sovereign, um, Tormod's Crypt, Tormod's Crypt. Uh, there's Pithing Needle. Um, I actually Obviously really think you could cut. Yeah, the co- the combo pieces in uh, I think actually just just uh, sorry, the sorry but it's, it's two cards the the chain veil and the cauldron. Um, one card I was talking to some green players about cutting that's like kind of seems wild is hay- haywire might hmm? like really like yeah I know it sounds weird like that it sounds sound just weird. like ridiculous to cut it but your Karn shuts off Parhelion being crude. Um, I don't. I did not get Haywire. I got Haywire by one time all weekend. I was able to kill in a crow in war with it, which was pretty good. But I think I was winning that game anyways, probably. Um, but I, I don't know. I just I just feel like if you want to specifically play Skylasher, I would probably be cutting like Haywire might Dark Souls Citadel statue, or maybe would call Automaton if you want to play four. I think Automaton's good in the mirror yeah. and like almost nowhere else. Because this is just the kind of thing that I always think about when I'm, you know, in the lab trying to think about. Uh, my sideboarding stuff is like, what am I already fine against? Right? Like, mm-hmm. what am I already yeah. pretty strong? And is like, is Haywire might one of those cards where it just seems so good, but like, am I already potentially winning that matchup? Like you said, where it's like, you know, I've got Karn out. Like, do I really need to be getting Haywire might? And, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not deeply experienced with this, but this is the kind of thought process where I'm like, what's the stuff that's turning my 55 into a 60 that I could be turning my 40 into a 50? Like, if I've got a handful of Skylashers in the side or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if there's necessarily one particular matchup where the Haywire might shine. So like, I guess you could argue maybe blue white for lockdown, but lockdown isn't that great against you anyways. Uh, 
you know, Spike brought up a good point of Crow and War, but yeah, it's like you have to find those cards, and there's a lot of cards that aren't necessarily matchup specific, but more situation specific, and I think you have to ask yourself, like, how often am I getting into these situations for that card to come up, like, you know, cutting Mightstone and Weakstone makes you slightly weaker to Shieldred, but how often are you really losing to Shieldred against Rakdos anyway, so stuff like that. Yeah. Well, in the end, I mean, do you think Mono Green is still like the deck that you would bring tomorrow? Or is it this, you know, is what, what would you be playing at your next uh, Pioneer RC? He's not playing Pioneer. Well, if you if he were, if you were forced to. I'll probably go to Atlanta and uh, play in it no matter what, even if I'm already queued for the next Pro Tour. Like those big tournaments are so fun and uh, being qualified, I would hate to miss out. It's also like a world championship qualifier, which is True. Like, how often do you get to play those? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I would maybe play the Crackling Drake deck. I, I at the very least would be playtesting it pretty heavily. Um, I remember seeing Jim Davis play in Atlanta, and I was like, Jim, this deck is amazing. I love it. And then <laughs> um, I, I meant to playtest it. I never got around to it. I was doing really well with green. And then it's been it's just been kind of crushing over the weekend. And I, I, I think the deck just looks... Oh man, it looks just so juicy. I, uh, I would love to play. <laughs> it, it does look sick. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about this. Like, what is Pioneer looking like after the RC? And I kind of want to start with these new decks that are kind of being hyped up this week. We've got like Azorius Lotus Field. We've got Is It Drakes. We've got this like what Archfiend combo thing. And I think Rackzack has suddenly made its appearance and like, hey, like. Uh, it did really well. It was like one of the what, top two or three kind of wide in terms of you know, wide representation, but really good performance. Mm -hmm. I think people are paying attention to Raksak again. So let's talk about Is It Drakes right now. Like, what do you all know about this deck? Why is it suddenly kind of back? What is it doing differently than Arc Light Phoenix? And why are people caring about this right now? So I was going to play it on stream today, but we didn't quite get to it because I actually played a league with the Phoenix deck and it took a little bit too long. But I think specifically the reason to play something like this over Phoenix is you have a better ability to clock. So, for example, you know, Crackling Drake on its own is sometimes, you know, eight, nine or ten power that can either be a two turn clock or a one turn clock. And the other nice thing is with Fable, you can just kind of one shot them and just go like Splitter Twin, copy your Drake, tack you for a bunch. Well, let's let's re rewind just a little bit. What's this deck constructed like? I mean, I'm sure all the people out there aren't kind of immediately like, oh, yeah, I know the 75. Is it sure, sure. Like, what's going on here? So we got uh, let me pull up the list. I think it's Fables, Drakes, and then just a bunch of is it cards like, you know, cantrips, removal spells, stuff like that. Let me pull. Up the list. So is this kind of like a modified Phoenix deck? Kind of. I honestly think it's really different from Phoenix, where like Phoenix in some ways is kind of a pseudo combo deck where you're trying to assemble very specific pieces where you're trying to get the obviously your phoenix is in the yard and you try to set up for this turn where you take you play your temporal uh take an extra trespass. turn that spell chip or trespass and you copy it take two turns win the game it's kind of like this combo snowball-y mid-range deck but like the crackling drake build is kind of removes obviously you have the fable copy crackling drake thing but you're just you're just like a pile of cheap in, interactive spells, Ledger Shredder, Fable, Crackling Drake, Treasure Cruise. You just totally outvalue your opponents. And okay. because Crackling Drake um, has that clause where it, it still gets its power if your cards are exiled, you're just so much more yeah, resilient yeah, yeah. to any amount of graveyard hate, which is just so right. such a big deal for a deck like this. 
So have you uh, been played against it or you know seen the discourse about it? Like, what do you think the the real draw is? Like, what is it doing differently, or how is it attacking the metagame that's making it powerful? Like, it it won uh, a challenge this weekend, right? Is that what I heard? I think it got so the super qualifier. There was two in the top eight. If I'm looking at the challenge, there was the challenge on Saturday. It looks like there was also two in the top eight, and then two more in the top 32 and then two in the top 16 on Sunday. So a ton in top eight slash top 32s. But I think as far as like what it's position in the metagame, um, I would have to imagine that this deck is like spikes it because it's less weak to graveyard hate. The traditional line of like Karn for Tormod's Crypt against Phoenix can be pretty backbreaking, but this deck, it doesn't care as much about Karn for Crypt because again, you have Crackling Drake, which you know, as Spike said, kind of get counts power from Exile cards as well. And you have kind of a better ability to one shot. Like if you ever get to untap with a flip fable, you cast a Drake. Sometimes that's just yeah. lethal on the spot. So you have like a, you have a more, a better ability to close out games faster. And, you know, a, a lot, like a lot of what's going on here is similar to the other, the rest of the core of the Phoenix deck, cantrips, removal spells. It's just going about winning the game in a slightly different fashion. And the fact that it's better against Graveyard Hate means that if people are over preparing for Grease Fang, you're not catching that same like Splash Aid as well. Sweet. So just kind of what plays out kind of like a, is it cantrip control deck gaining value off your Ledger Shredder, casting a Drake, you know, refilling with Treasure Cruise getting some fable value and just going to town. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Seems it's, great. It's like a, it's like a blue red deck, but it's playing all good cards for once. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> sure. It's like, there's so many blue red hero decks in the format. I've definitely been guilty of this, trying to play eight young pyromancers. <laughs> Are you <laughs> saying that Arclay Phoenix is not a good card? Phoenix is a good card, but like you, there's like a lot of cards in the Phoenix shell that are kind of lower call card quality. Galvanic Iteration, Trespass can be clunky. They've been clogged in your hand. They can be picked apart by Rakdos. This deck just doesn't have that many weaknesses. It's like it's, the deck is just card advantage, great threats, cheap, cheap interaction. Four spell pierce, and, you know, all these one mana removal spells. Blitz of the Thunder Raptor is like a super clean answer to Shieldred. It's like... The, the deck just has like very few weaknesses and it also like probably it seems like pretty well positioned where you have like lots of flyers and cheap interaction against mono green you have lots of like card advantage and like card ways to go over the top of rakdos fight that matchup well and you have lots of cheap interaction against like decks like spirits and yeah. and blitz and stuff and it's just it just doesn't have many weaknesses i think is is how i'm thinking about it yeah it looks impressive uh this is a deck i think stan would really like and i know dave has played some of these drake decks in the past so you get those two guys a pile of isa cards are going to be happy let's talk a little bit about this fires of victory card which i think i've never seen uh, really be cast it's what one on a red instant with kicker two and a blue if the spell was kicked draw a card fires a victory deals damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the number of cards in your hand that seems potentially conditional but is it usually working out well for you i think it's basically instead of the fourth copy of blitz just another like you want four answers to shieldred in your deck and they yeah, kind so of the sort of occupy the same spot yeah because blitz um you know like if you're if your graveyard is being attacked blitz i believe only counts graveyard not exile yeah blitz only counts yeah. spells in the graveyard so fires is like kind of an answer to shieldred that doesn't necessarily rely on the graveyard if it's being attacked like by a trespasser sure and it's is it better than just two copies of roast just to, because of the, the potential for flyers out there. Instant speed uh, is yes. the most important part. It, it, hitting Planeswalkers too against Mono yeah. Green is like so, so nice. 
Yep. Sure. Makes total sense. Yeah, the, the Is It Drake deck by Leviathan102, I don't know if that's anyone I should know, uh, they went 9-0 and in the Super Qualifier and ended up second place, so congrats to them. Where did this deck come from? I keep hearing people call it like Zoomer Drakes. Is it like, you know, one of those uh, you know popular Zoomer people or is it just like it's called Zoomer Drakes because it's like the new build of Drakes or something like that? Both people who top baited on, on the the qualifier on Friday, uh, Leviathan and Bullwinkle, they're both in the Zoomer Discord. So uh, yeah. yes, there's a Zoomer Discord. No wonder I haven't been invited. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told. I haven't, you know, obviously I'm not in there. All right. Well, this sounds like a cool deck to check out if you're into that strategy. I mean, I remember playing like various drake decks on like historic or on you know magic arena those were cool real quick aside on the blue red deck i don't know if i know we don't have this down here but i don't know if spike saw this did you see the uh, phoenix deck that top aided athens that had four demolich i i saw a screenshot with four okay. demolich and i was like holy guacamole and then <laughs> i uh, i still haven't seen the list but i i want to see the list sweet Let's talk a little bit about Azorius Lotus Field, which is another deck that I think has been lurking and now is no longer lurking. It's just hanging out, standing there on the corner saying, I'm also a legitimate deck. Like So much so that I know that I think Frank Karsten made a separate category for it when he was doing some metagame breakdown. And so yeah, what is, is, is this just like a Lotus ramp Azorius control deck or am I missing some more obvious things about this? So the deck list, the one that I'm looking at, I think, I don't know if this is exactly the one from the RC, but the idea here is Strict Proctor is a card that basically um, says the 1-3 flyer whenever a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability to trigger counter that ability unless its controller pays two. So you can use this to your own benefit with Lotus Field. So if you play turn two, turn three, you play Strict Proctor, then play Lotus Field, you can just choose not to pay and not sacrifice lands. So it's kind of a way for the blue white control deck to kind of get this big mana boost and then you're pairing Lotus Field with Thespian Stage, and then you're kind of utilizing that mana to play big stuff like Shark Typhoon, Teferi, uh, but Memory Deluge, all that you know, good normal blue-white stuff. And then it's also playing four discontinuity to then Teferi untap two Lotus Fields. So you have six mana to then discontinuity on your opponent's turn. It's just like you know, and it just kind of snowballs from there. Yeah, one more note about discontinuity. You could also use it as a way to ramp yourself in the deck because you could respond to Lotus Fields into the battlefield trigger and then just end your turn so you don't have to mm. sacrifice two lands. Sweet. So it just kind of has a few cheaty ways to get the Lotus Field out and then just take advantage of the massive mana boost that it provides. And it is mainly looking to control and then just win the endgame. Yeah, it's like blue-white control that can actually have some nut draws, which is kind of exciting, where a lot of times mm -hmm. you're playing blue-white control decks, it just feels like no matter how good your draw is, if your opponent draws better than you, you're just not able to contain them, control them. But this Strict Proctor stuff allows you to have access to turn three to fairies and untapping into four more mana. Um, this is this is something I've played a lot of in Modern and actually like one historic PTA I played. I, play, I played a bank control deck with Teferi and a couple copies of Lotus Field where just that untapping of Lotus Field to Teferi is such a powerful mana engine. And it just doesn't come out of very um, high cost your deck where Lotus Field is all effectively just a land that enters tapped at like the very the very bare minimum with, with with effectively very high upside. I also think it's kind of cool how Strict Proctor just does have lots of like small added utility of the metagame. It stops cards like Spell Queller and yeah. Cavalier, and it just like stops ETB effects, which is not, um, you know, the most relevant. You wouldn't be just main decking for without Lotus Field, but it is, it is kind of cool that that card is just fine to draw on its own. Yeah, for sure. It's like a fine, you know, cheap value creature. You can block with it to buy a turn or, you know, take advantage of the ETB effect nullification, like you said. 
Do you think that this deck is something that people should start preparing for? Like, I feel like, you know, the cat's out of the bag now. And I think people who are into the style of deck might be playing it more often. Um, I don't know if it would, I mean, it's definitely going to be a player. I wouldn't necessarily say like a lot of the people who are playing blue white control, they might not necessarily switch to this build because I think the issue is it like, if you're looking at the deck list, there's not as much of the cheap removal that you see. Like there's no March of otherworldly light. There's no, sometimes you see portable holes. Sometimes you see fa uh, faithful absence. There's really none of that stuff in this deck. It's really trying to go over the top. Um, and the one issue is I think if people are over preparing for the Lotus field combo deck and they're kind of jamming a bunch of damping spheres. Mm -hmm. You can maybe catch some splash eight there as well. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, it's a cool deck. Um, I'm interested in it for sure. Not to play it myself, but just, you know, it's, it's cool when people are tuning things and tweaking things in this manner. Another deck I want to talk about in Doom. Devin, you definitely know a little bit about this one. This is like this Archfiend of the Dross Ooh, yeah. deck. Talk What's going on with this? All right, so... Um, and maybe Spike can, can uh, touch on this as well. So there was a, a player by the name of CFT Sock. Their name is Ray Zhang. They uh, typically play some really off-the-wall decks, and in the regional championship in Dallas last weekend, they played this new combo deck, and the combo is um, Archfiend of the Dross, which is a 6-6 flyer for four, um, not some relevant text, but basically the, the relevant text here is uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, remove an oil counter from it. If you can't, you lose the game. Metamorphic yeah. Alteration is a two-mana enchantment that enchants any creature on the battlefield and makes enchanted creature a copy of any creature. So you make their creature into an Archfiend that has no oil counters <laughs> on it. You say go, and they lose the game on their upkeep. Um, and then they paired this with, like, kind of your typical Grixis slash Rakdos Shell, Fable the Mirror Breaker, Corpse Appraiser, Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, all that kind of stuff. And then, and then dig through time as well. That, that's kind of like the blue splash. Uh, and that's basically what the deck looks like. I'm seeing a genius inclusion here in Swan Song. Mm. You like that one? <laughs> mm, genius <laughs> you, or grifter, I wonder. You now have a creature <laughs> that I can cast Venomorphic Alteration on. You know, some people don't play creatures. This is great. <laughs> it's cheap, efficient, gets the job done. And Spike actually played against this player in the RC. That I did. Spike? I got my teeth kicked in by Ray. It was brutal. Both games, uh, Ray goes, push your elf, push your elf, Thoughtseize, uh, Fable, Archfiend, combo kill you. <laughs> and it was it was rough. Um, the, I, I think the deck looked very interesting and good. I, I agree with you know the thought that you're going to be pretty bad against decks without creatures. Um, but I, 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 as far as like the Swan Song stuff goes, I, I don't think this the swan the songs help enough i think you mostly just want to like cut your your enchantment enchantments post, post board and just become like a blue black or grisis control deck post board in those matchups would it's be like i clearly said guess. it was genius okay so yeah <laughs> i'm i'm firmly in the uh the grifter camp on on swan song it's, it's like have, have you ever drawn and cast a swan song and then yeah. not like done it's your great. thing with it Maybe it's maybe it's okay. I I I'm not a believer at the moment. At the time of making this comment, and you Doom, you you played versus Todd Anderson on like a stream 
like kind of like grudge match type thing with this or was he playing this so it's funny because you can't actually so listeners please beware uh well maybe by the time this episode goes out they might have fixed the bug but the card metamorphic alteration is currently bugged on magic online no. so you can't actually it just doesn't work the card doesn't doesn't work so what todd and i did is we decided to play kind of like a gentleman's agreement where i would play the deck and whenever i cast the combo he would just concede the game if he was dead to it um mm-hmm. and you know i it, it went okay i think we played against like three or four different decks i think i probably the archwing deck won slightly less than half of its matches so nothing you know and again these are the early iterations they're going to be a little bit rougher around the edges but um the shell definitely showed promise you know sweet i mean archfiend is like not a bad card right like i think it's pretty darn strong you get a six six flyer and you have four turns to finish your opponent off or three turns one two three four three yeah Three, yeah, three turns because it doesn't really have haste. So, I mean, it's still pretty darn good. Like, if that's kind of uncontested in the air, you're going to be fine. Yeah, I think that's one very exciting thing about the combo. Like, compared to Deceiver, Exarch, and Splinter Twin, like, neither of those cards are good to draw on their own. But Archfiend is, like, a genuinely good threat. Like, there are there are Rakdos mid-range players who do just play some number of the card as a good card. And this is always something to like really look out for, and it's actually something we'll probably talk about when it comes to modern and the Lord of the Rings spoilers. But when your good cards are also in, also I win combo pieces, that is a very very exciting thing. Yeah, I'm into it. And let's talk a little bit about Raxac. Why we're here? It's not as exciting as these newer decks, perhaps, mm. but I think it's kind of it's a deck that I have wanted to get good at. I've always kind of considered it one of those decks where when good people are playing it it seems like it always has like a mid 50s to even like high 50s win rate and then the right metagame of course as well and i think raxac is kind of in that position right now where you know it seems to have a pretty good matchup spread it is strong against a lot of what's going on in the metagame it is of course still weak fairly weak to a number of combo decks that are out there but i think that right now people are into it and i'm curious well, first, I know, Devin, you made top eight or top four in a Pio RCQ uh, this past weekend, right? I think you top said eight, you, yeah. you and you lost to Spirits somehow, just got through the wrong half of your deck. Well, it's funny. I actually think about it now. I played the I played the matchup like one or two more times after that. I actually don't think it's that great of a matchup for Sack because mm-hmm. sometimes like if you if you don't open on like exactly thoughts, use Fatal Push and they go one drop into Curious Obsession and your hand is just like a bunch of Fables and Harvesters, you can't yeah. possibly win. Like you're you you have the draw the wrong half problem. Um, but yeah, Rakdos Rakdos Sacrifice had in a, a a pretty absurd win rate. I think it was like fifty. 57 ish across the I think it was at the Dallas maybe it was a little less than that at the Dallas RC yeah it was definitely high 50s across all like all four or five and this past weekend on Magic Online, for those of you uh, who may not who may not know, Logan Nettles, aka Jabberwocky, and Magic Online uh, lost the finals of the Pioneer Challenge on Saturday and won the Pioneer Challenge on Sunday. Both play, played Rakdosak both times, and the only match he lost the entire weekend was the finals of the first challenge on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, Bonkers. just absolutely crushed everybody in the, in the two challenges. Um, well, I'm as I, good as Logan, so I can do this. <laughs> I think the deck is really good. The uh, like the sketchy matchup is definitely mono green, but 
you have draws like if you're if you have the claim oven stuff and you can kill their early elves um it, you basically the the biggest part of that matchup is you have to get something on the battlefield before they play karn because you need to like the turn they play karn you have to kill it immediately because it shuts off your ovens and stuff um but as long as you can kind of manage that i think the biggest addition too is a lot of people weren't playing thoughtsies main deck before and all of the recent lists now have four thoughtsies main deck in addition to four fatal push and i think that's a genius addition play the good cards yeah don't get don't get funny just play the good cards helps the green matchup a lot too because you can just thoughts use their card so when i look at this then the, the type of thing that i notice is one we we see that the obnixilis creature is not in here it didn't make the cut it doesn't seem like that's pushing this, this <laughs> why are you deck, laughing spike <laughs> this deck over the edge i just i just been asked so many times about that card in modern too but also in pioneer and i just I just uh, you can't play four banded creatures that like don't don't do anything. Well, you can play four banded creatures, but four banded creatures that don't do anything with until your engine is already online. Yeah. This is just like not That's a very good dynamic. Yeah, I mean, it feels a little perhaps win more. That's kind of what one of the fears we had when we were talking about it in the spoiler episodes. Is like, yeah, this card seems good, but like if you're already doing that thing after casting your four drop, that probably could have just been something maybe cheaper or that got you got you there yeah there's there's one format where this card is very good the format it was designed for commander <laughs> <laughs> so probably good in standard <laughs> but there is i mean we do have obnixless adversary in the sideboard check my assumption here whenever i play this against controlling decks i love it is there other things that you want to be bringing this in against or is this like just strictly kind of help me against Zorius control and other styles of decks like that it's pretty good against burn. Uh, like not that yeah. that's a very common deck in Pioneer, but it, this card gains you a lot of life with the, oh, like yeah. the, the it gains you four life a turn. Totally buries uh, the burn decks, but not that that deck is like almost present at all in Pioneer these days. What's up with Furnace Reigns? Is that just kind of like to help you against stuff like Shieldred, other big creatures? Like it's kind of expensive, two and a red for just kind of a, you know, a, to grab someone's big creature and maybe sacrifice it, get out of the way, or just hit them with it if that's like their only blocker. You just want to take their Cav. It's take, take yeah, Cav, take Troll. Yeah. It's basically only for green. I mean, you could, like, maybe board in one against Rakdos, but I, I don't think I would. Yeah, it's too easy for them to pick apart your, like, Sack Outlet Plus uh, Treachery effect with their discard spells. I don't think you really want it against them. That matchup... As, at least by my impression, is already pretty good for Rexac anyways. Yeah. So you, I don't think you need mm -hmm. like these Hail Marys in the matchup. Like Shielder dies to Fatal Push too. It's, you know, and you're a really, really good Fatal Push as Rexac. Yeah, this is the kind of deck that like I would hire one of you to tutor me. You know what I mean? Like let's do some let's do some training. Let's 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 teach Shane how to actually play you know sacrifice decks because when I see both of you play them. You know, you're eking out. These are the, the decks that I always, I really equate with you, Spike, because you've played so many decks with engines like this, and you just get max value out of them. And I know you do too, Devin. It's just the kind of thing that I remember. I see, I've, I've, I've seen Spike do it so many different times in so many different decks. I'm like, how do I do this? Because when I play them, I'm just like punting left and right and making weird little random mistakes. And I don't think you can afford to do that with these types of strategies. And so I think that's like. You know, good players can be very good with them, but it's definitely something where I'm going to get punished unless I practice quite a bit. What's what's your number one pro tip for for playing rack sack? You go first, Devin. Mm, I mean, I guess do the math. I mean, there's just there's just a lot of weird spots where you have to like think multiple turns in advance. I don't know. It's it's a lot of sequencing too. It's there, there's so many different things. I guess math math is the most important thing. Uh, I, my, my biggest advice is to take your time. Even if you're like very experienced with the deck, you just have to you just have to take your time. It's one of those decks. It's kind of like 
I hate to, I hate to even utter this deck's name, but it's kind of oh, like no. Death and Taxes, where oh, the slower no. you play, the better the deck is. Like the longer <laughs> you just look at the board, and you look at your hand, and you look at your opponent, and you look at the board, and you look at your hand. Just the longer you, time you take, the better the cards are. I don't know; it's hard to describe. <laughs> the longer you look at them, that they're not very. They, you look at them; they're not very good. You look at the board; you have no good plays. But a lot. But eventually, if you wait long enough, you'll have good plays. Okay. You heard I'll, it I'll here first. It. Spike has confirmed. Rectosec is the same thing as Death and Taxes 2023. <laughs> Quote it. Um, unlucky witness can become shouldered if you wait long enough. That's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's like specifically the card Flicker Wisp. I feel like if you look at Flicker Wisp, like immediately there's no good plays. With that's it. not in and this then, deck. I know, but that's what that's what that's, what, that's, what, that's the taxes effect. You just have to stare at Flicker Wisp and eventually the card does something. Yeah, makes good sense. I'm, I'm hyped to get some time with it. Let's do a few minutes ever on modern anything cool going on in modern anything i need to care about right now or can i just wait till next week like what's 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 interesting in modern right now i don't know i <laughs> i know i'm like the person to ask but i don't know i so like the modern metagame is very stagnant i would say at this point maybe um there's like five decks that are like like very clearly metagame defining creativity, Merktide, um, scam, Rhinos, Hammer. Although yep. Hammer is like really bad, I think, <laughs> of, of those decks. Um, Might be getting worse after this set. Yeah, and, getting better. And, and, I don't know. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, it's it seemingly maybe on the decline. Um, there's there's you know there are a few, a few other fringe strategies that are viable. Um, there's still like I think several decks that I I like to play that um, I think have like an interesting edge, but it's definitely feels like one of those metagames where it is very very difficult to um, brew and innovate in this environment where you have something that does just smash all of these all of these uh, top strategies. And obviously this is something I'm working really hard on uh, <laughs> in preparation for the pro tour. Um, Lord of the Rings, I think, is going to be a above average shakeup for this dynamic, and I yeah. think that there's like a, a handful of cards that are like really interesting and exciting. But I don't know that I don't know that we're going to see a new deck on top of it afterwards. So there's a lot of decks yeah. I'm really interested to play test and work on, and this is also like a very odd dynamic for me too, where if I do feel like there's a broken deck. I'm not going to tell anybody about it <laughs> and I'm going to just like my plan is to play like no more than two leagues with any given deck on stream during this mm -hmm. pro tour testing process just to like I can like just to kind of conceal the information and like work and tune stuff off stream and try to try to break it and you know win the pro tour help my team uh, win the pro tour. Um, so I don't know it's weird I've been thinking a lot about it but it is it's it's also like when when you have like pro tour brain is just so different from like yeah, tell me about from, it from from different from different kinds of uh, like modern preparation or like because like like pro tours are like you know this is something that I think a lot of players who have maybe never played a pro tour or even some that do don't Who's understand never played a pro tour. <laughs> I mean, come on, we've we've, we've all been there, especially yeah, me, especially Shane. <laughs> um, but pro tours of all the tournaments I've ever played have been the easiest to metagame for by a lot. I think every single pro tour I've played, I've had like a really good read of the metagame and I've played a deck that was like, what well, had, a, had a good counter to that predicted metagame. And I've had like pretty good results at all of them. And it's just, and, and like with that being the case in modern, I think that the it, it feels like in a big way, this modern pro tour is going to be like very predictable, the metagame or like, yeah, like in the same way as a lot of pro tours are relatively yeah. predictable. And because of that, 
in theory, exploitable. And of course, it's not easy to exploit those top tier one decks, but it's also like when you're playing leagues and even challenges, you run into a lot more random stuff, off meta stuff, stuff you're, stuff you're not targeting. But when you have Pro Tour Brain, you have a Pro Tour tournament to prep for, you like this, these are really the tournaments to try to like metagame and innovate for, in my opinion, because so many other players don't metagame and they don't innovate. They just try to pick a mm-hmm. good deck and learn it. Yeah. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some of these potential cards that might shake things up, might add some new components into modern. And so stay with us. All right, we are back. And as I threatened, we've got the second batch of Lord of the Rings uh, Tales of Middle-Earth, I believe is the legally required uh, sub subheader for that set. Something about what they had rights to from Lord of the Rings. I don't know. Don't get us demonetized, Shane. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, I mean... This is a podcast. We're already demonetized enough. So the what we talked about early on, you know, we talked about some cards that like when they got spoiled a while ago, like Delighted Halfling, the One Ring. And then last week we talked about some potential bangers like Stern Scolding, Forge Anew, Orcus Bowmasters, stuff like that. So before we get into new cards, I wanted to get your all take on anything that you're particularly interested in. We're looking at the same list. I imagine we're all in the notes here. What are the kind of things that you're hyped about? Like is Delighted Halfling as potentially broken as some people are saying, or is it just another mana dork that people are going to kind of not think about in like a few weeks? Um, Halfling's a fine card. I think like there's a good chance Yawgmoth ends up playing it over Birds and or Razor and or High Arc. I I think it is mostly just a mana dork. You know, it's nice it doesn't die to Rin. It gives your Yawgmoth's uncounterable, your Grist uncounterable, but it's it does not feel like a game-changing card to me. Um, to me, and this is, like, not an opinion I've seen shared anywhere, but to me, I think the One Ring is the best card in the set by, like, a significant margin, and yeah. I'm, like... It's getting slept um, on, for sure. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, like, there are a lot of cards that are, like, archetype upgrades. There are a lot of cards that are, like, interesting, like Halfling, like Sam, like Forgenu, Stern, Stern Scolding. Um, I, I don't know if you know the chain. I consulted on the Lord of the Rings set, uh, like, two years ago, and the One Ring was completely different when I saw it, and I, like, I know that if I was giving feedback on it, I would, like, I would be very interested in toning it down. <laughs> uh, very, yeah. very specifically, I, um, I think that you should take the damage when you tap it, not on your upkeep. Like the fact that you're able to go play play the one ring, draw a card, then on your next turn lose one life, then next then draw two. You've like you've lost one life and you've drawn three cards, and then the next turn you yeah. lose it's two life. You take a total of three, then you draw three more cards. Yeah, and, it's a lot of drawing. Yeah, if, it's a lot of drawing, and so like if you're able to either like combo kill your opponent. Um, uh, before you die to your one ring or play a deck just with Omnath and gain and gain enough life to where this life loss doesn't matter. Or, like, the fact that it's legendary too means that if you're dying to your one ring, you could just play another one ring, <laughs> ending your protection from everything. Um, and you also get to, like, tap and draw four, play a different one ring, never take the damage from those counters. Like, it, this card to me is, like, is, is the most exciting <laughs> by a lot. And it is the most broken by a lot. It's potentially and, dangerous, right? Yeah, it is. I, mean, it, it, I really think so. And I have like not felt this opinion shared basically at all. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also like, I don't know. I, I haven't like, I'm, I'm going to make a YouTube video about it. I'm going to be doing some brewing. Um, I'm talking to my team about it too. I am like really, really hyped for this card. 
Yeah, I think we gave it a pretty fair shake during like the really early spoiler episode because we're just like, yeah, it's not a lot of damage and it is a lot of card draw. So what kind of decks are you think are going to be playing this? Like just Omnath decks, just like slower long game decks? Yeah, I think Omnath, Tron. I have a, I have a combo deck that used that like, it's this is so funny. I have a combo deck that I have like a pretty good win rate with. It's like plays Manifold Key, Voltaic Key, Everfloating Chalice, Astro Cornucopia, Core Tapper. It's, it's like a it's like a charge counter uh, deck. But it, 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 the fact that it plays the keys is so funny because you get to just like untap your Wondering and draw tons of cards with the card too. <laughs> um, I think it's it's like just a, just a weirdly perfect fit for that deck. And oh, it man. just, Surge Note only, only puts charge counters. I thought it was anti-counter. Oh, that'd be, that'd be funny. Although yeah. you, um, you can peel the count, the 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 one ring counters off of the one ring with uh, power conduit, conduit right? Yeah, okay. That. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's a little bit of that added synergy there too. I could even see like blue eye control maybe playing this because you can reset it with the fairy. Yeah, yeah. I I think you, I think blue eye control would be interested in playing it. I I like. There, I think there's like just a good chance that this is the best card advantage top in spell in modern. Um, and like this is it's it's I could be wrong and it could be one you have to play test with, but like what's also like crazy is that it stabilizes really hard, it draws you card, it draws you like like basically three cards immediately, and it gives you protection from everything and it's indestructible. So it's 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 difficult for your opponents to interact with. They can't besage you it, they can't force it, they have to like binding or haywire might it. Right. Yeah. Not necessarily looking forward to this one being good because it seems like it will be <laughs> yeah like if, if, if it's, it's too good, good it then it's a annoying. problem yeah 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 it, it is yeah. nice that you can needle it so like a lot of decks do have sure. that answer to it at least yeah into it um anything else like i know people seem to have somewhat divided opinions on things like stern scolding i see some narrowed eyes maybe disagreeing <laughs> um, with, with, uh, it's <laughs> fine I, I, I don't it's fine yeah yeah I don't think Sorry, it's going to be think like, it's more of a cyborg card. Sorry yeah. for talking over you. No, you're good. You're good. I was going to say the exact same thing. I think it's more of a cyborg card. But yeah. I mean, so do you think it is a cyborg card? Because like, I think people thought that about minor misstep, right? And minor misstep is just a little bit too narrow. And this is a little bit, is it broad enough? Well, it's it's not that minor misstep is too narrow. It's just that minor misstep is not a good card. Minor misstep is a card that like, <laughs> you know, against it, like almost never trades up on mana. You want your yeah. counter spells to be able to trade up on mana. You want them to spend two or three mana. You spend one mana. Right. With minor misstep and kind of inherently doesn't do that. There are a lot of cards that cost three, four mana even that minor misstep counters for one, which is a really big deal. My take when we were talking about this in the dive down discord was like, is the time of just a decent creature counter spell over in modern? Like, is this what modern is about? Like countering your opponent's spells? Like a few decks are running counters, right? But they're like running things like spell pierce to have a super efficient way of keeping their combo line open, right? Or to stop people making like eight, eight worth of trampling rhinos because it's right. just like so hyper efficient. And so Stern Scolding, I get it. Like it's an efficient counter spell to a good number of creatures in modern that sometimes do have ETBs, but it's just like, is this enough that a lot of decks are going to run this in the sideboard or is it just like a very minor sideboard piece that we'll see in a certain type of deck? Yeah, I, I mean, I do think it's more of a minor piece for sure. I I will say that there is like an attitude that modern players have that this is just not a format where you can play creatures. Creatures are so bad. Creatures are so much removal. But modern is mostly creature decks. Modern is yeah. mostly creature decks. So it's just like maybe maybe your your creature deck has not been able to keep up over the years. But modern is is mostly creature decks, which is kind of funny. I um I, I do actually have a fun fun story about Skurn Scolding though, where. In development, um, originally the card said just counter target creature with power two or less. 
And um, I suggested changing it to power or toughness, mostly yeah. for Luris because Luris was still legal at the time of oh, consulting. And so, like, you would want it against Hammer, but it just doesn't counter Luris, which was, like, such a problem. Um, but it's also really nice that, like, the two toughness counters Solitude and Grief also. And I, yeah. I think that that's kind of a, an interesting change. Yeah, I mean, my take isn't, like, that the creature, the, the format's not about casting creatures, but more yeah. like... Do you want to run a creature counterspell in your sideboard? Like, can you go over the top in other ways or stop what your opponent is doing in other ways? And I think some decks can and some decks can't, right? And that's the kind of thing that you'll see in play a spell like this. I mean, in general, in modern, you want to play one mana counterspells if that one mana card is going to consistently trade with two, three, and four drops. That's why Spell yep. Pierce is so good. They spend two, three, four mana. You spend one mana. Stern Scolding does the same thing. Minor Misstep does that against, like, exactly Cascade decks, but nowhere else. Yeah, makes total sense. Anything else on this list, like Forge Anew or Press the Enemy? I mean, people are pretty amped about Orcish Bowmasters, but maybe we've said everything that we're going to say about this. Frodo is kind of an interesting card, I think, potentially. Like, Frodo sort of brings back the hope that we could be, like, using swords again, maybe. <laughs> I got something that's not on the list, if we potentially want to take a look at the, that one. I got Aragorn. What do you guys think about? Do you guys know what this one is? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm, I have Scryfall up, so let's let's do a little Aragorning. The the, the the non yeah, the white, yeah. everything white, oh, the one, green one. The one that might go in like a Omnath style deck. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. red green blue white five five. Whenever you cast a white spell, you get a one one. Blue spell you scry two. Red spell you deal three to an opponent. And green spell you give a thing plus four plus four. The fact that I, I don't know if humans like would ever really want to play a four drop, but one you can cast it off of Omnath mana, and two the human typing means that like if you cast a Mantis Rider, you get a one one. You scry two and you deal them three. I don't know if that's like quite good <laughs> enough for humans, but but maybe that makes them play more gold cards. I don't know what you guys thought thoughts on that. No, um, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting for sure. Like it does a lot, but it's not the kind of deck that I play like Omnath style decks at least. Yeah. My biggest issue with the card is that it's a four mana creature that doesn't play defense at all or like very well. If that makes sense. Like the bar for four mana creatures is obviously very high. And if you get to untap with this and like cast an Omnath or if you're like really ahead, it's very good. But I, I, for me, I think what's great about cards like Yogmoth and Omnath and like maybe Urza, like the the four the, the 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 modern defining four drops is that they all stabilize you pretty well, and they play defense really well. And I just don't see Aragorn doing that. That's fair. Can I get your take on Frodo? That's the two two one and a white, and you know when it ETBs or attacks, you can attach target equipment you control, not named Colossus Hammer, uh, mana value two or three, uh, and as long as it's your turn, prevent all damage that would be dealt to Frodo. Is this a thing, or is this not really a thing in today's modern? Um, I mean, I I've played a lot of like fervent champion plus sword decks um, over the last yeah, couple of years. Sure I've had, I, it like actually carried me pretty hard in the trophy race. I think that I think that that archetype is underrated and has like an interesting position in the metagame i would probably play no more than one copy of frodo in that deck but uh, i that and that's also like the only place i'd play it but um i it, it could also be the case that you play this card a little bit you're a little bit more impressed by it but for the most part fervent champion is a one mana hasty non-legendary frodo and okay. uh, obviously there's like a few differences but i i think the the like preventing damage on your turn clause is not that relevant and i think the one versus two mana is just so big and the, the haste also in fervent champion is is crazy yeah. where you just have your sword sitting in play and you top deck like ranger captain sack your ranger captain so they can't do anything then play your one mana champion put all your swords on it hit them and then 
just so ahead. Yeah, I mean, we, we have cards similar to this, like Core Outfitter, like the, which is almost effectively for all intents. I mean, it doesn't have the prevent all damage that be dealt to it clause, but, you know, two mana, two, two, ETB attaching equipment. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you ever played that card in the stone, in the, the Boros play decks, right, Spike? No, I didn't. Like the, the nice thing is like you can play this on turn two and then play the sword and equip it when you when you compare it to like the the cat or core outfitter. Like you can't attack with a sword on turn three. And oh, that's what this it's card does when it attacks. Yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah. So, but but still, yeah, I agree. It, it's not a card that I'm particularly excited about. The real question is: Are you the person who did the, like when they gave it to you, or did you look at this one? Did it, did it have did, like did it would it did it ever? Was it ever ever Three able to less. attach? The, yeah, yeah, ever able to attach hammer? Uh, as far as I remember, and I've been meaning to, I'm, I'm going to do a YouTube video on the topic and go back and look at my notes and look at like how the set used to be and not break my NDA about that, but well, just yeah, kind of like true. it's um. If you can't speak reference then. stuff, you know, I, I can't I can't <laughs> speak on that though. Like uh, more than half of the cards of the set, um, I have never seen before, and this is or like seen the design for. They're completely different. The one ring is one of those cards. One ring was completely different, and I believe that this Frodo was completely different as well um it's it's like completely new to me just a little aside there's like a funny post online asking like do i play all these food decks all these asmo decks because i knew that lord of the rings was going to have all this food stuff and when i saw lord of the rings i believe there were no cards that could make a food token <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> i believe Whoa. that they were yeah i wow. believe that they were all added later Crazy. i need to i need to go back and double check my notes uh but i i'm they they're at the very least were not this many sure. <laughs> you know yeah so there's so much food in this set. yeah didn't see samwise and I, I think that that was likely like whoever they have for like the limited play testing i think most of these like food cards are like limited considered cards you know mm-hmm. um and then you have like your food sub theme and uh, for that which i think is exciting well except for sam do, do you want to get into Sam? Before we, well, Sam, Sam's new this week, so we could definitely want to talk about Sam a little bit. But I do want to get your take on Orcish Bowmasters. I feel like it's one of the cards people are most interested in, maybe not potentially for modern, but I think there's people just saying, like, hey, there's a lot of value here. This can do a lot, potentially. Uh, are you in agreement, or is it kind of, hey, this is more for legacy, more for a CEDH, and it's kind of a role player in modern, maybe? Yeah, that that's the camp I'm in. I, I think that it is. Not terrible in modern. I think that there's like it's, but it's it's definitely a card you have to cast a few times. I don't know that it's actually like as you know mid or like just kind of more of a role player as I think. But I think for the most part, it'll probably see play as like a one of in the main deck as in Yogmoth, maybe a couple more in the side for like the Mirror and Ragavan decks. Although you're already so good against Ragavan, and I don't really see Scam main decking main decking any copies could be wrong maybe they play a couple copies but right now i don't think they main deck any copies and that's that's like it i don't i don't really see it going in too many other spots i would love to be wrong the card is really cool um the card is definitely really cool you could maybe play it in like the red black sacrifice deck but it's it's i think it is more of a legacy card the way it really punishes those those card draw spells in modern you're really like punishing like Ledger Shredder and Mistress Bobble and like not too much else. Yeah, I mean, the best card advantage spell in modern is probably Expressive Iteration, right? And that just yeah. doesn't do anything against that, so. Yeah, exactly. And that card is banned in Legacy, so yeah. it's you know, better in Legacy. <laughs> yeah, so no particular uh, different thoughts on that, Devin? 
kind of no i i think i'm in the same camp i mean it's really cool like when you get to do the thing like maybe there are some situations where you know like if you're playing against i guess maybe blue white control because they have something like teferi maybe they have jace it's harder for them to remove it but then even then they have leyline binding so it's just like 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 spike was saying it just it seems really hard to find a situation where this really gets you the amount of value that you wanted to especially it being a one one so even if you like get a like a half of a card out of it and then they just run and six it is it really even worth it it's you know yeah all right well let's get into it then let's talk about some new stuff since last week and anything that we didn't you know any 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 and all things that you all are hyped about or interested in or think that are you know viable and modern i'm just gonna start it off with a super boring card i don't think that that's exciting and it's boromir warden of the tower two and a white three three boring exactly boring mirror uh Two and a white, three, three vigilance, human soldier. Shane, that sounds bad. Oh, when, whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. And you can also sacrifice Boromir and creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn. And the ring tempts you. So the, the, the text of the ring tempts you on a potentially playable card PPC. I don't know. This feels like it comes down a turn too late for most of the matchups. I might want it, but you know, there's probably maybe it's doing something. You all tell me, what are you thinking about this card? So like one ish big issue that humans has is that you have a lot of really good three drops and you have like, you're like Adeline is like the best by a lot. I don't think Boromir changes that. I do think that Boromir like is, I, I've really liked in the past playing Adeline Ranger captain in the three drop slot. I think that it's maybe a conversation between other three drops, maybe a conversation of Ranger captain versus Boromir. But I, I do like this card. I think in some, in some ways, it does incentivize you to play a noble hierarch build of humans, so you can play it on turn two on the draw, uh, especially post board. But this kind of like combination, selfless spirit, um, Lavinia, I think is very good. Um, where like one of the biggest problems that humans has is the rhinos matchup, where the the rhinos stabilize them very hard, and it's hard to like commit super hard and get blown out by fury on the first couple turns and this being a three drop doesn't help that so much but the fact that this is a card that is both good against cascade and good against fury is is exciting to me the fact that it can cover both of those bases i do think is a very big deal the ring tempts you is definitely like some extra gravy on the card i think i think that in the first round of like I don't think this card changed very much in development from, wh- from when I was working on it, but I do think that, that that was added on just to make it a little bit better. And I think that like that maybe is like exactly like that tiny, tiny push it needs to become um, playable in the humans deck. Kind of a hard mechanic to evaluate without playtesting it, but I think that um, I think that this is a card humans will play. I feel like you cannot have a Boromir card without the ring tempting you. Yeah, I agree. Very flavorful too. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I think it's maybe a card that you would consider. You know, I don't think you're ever going to main deck this card, but a decent sideboard card. You know, if Blue Eye Control gets a little bit popular, more people play Supreme Verdict. Um, yeah, like the fact that Spike mentioned, you kind of this makes you want to play Noble Hierarch, which maybe you should be playing anyways because you really want to play this on turn two against Cascade. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a decent sideboard card. I wouldn't be surprised to humans play one or two copies. Cool. And then I'm just going to tee up another one that I think people have been talking about as like a sleeper hit i don't feel like a lot of people are really amped about it but then if the the people that are amped about anything they're amped about flowering of the white tree it's a white white legendary enchantment legendary creatures you control get plus two plus one and have ward one non-legendary creatures you control get plus one plus one so like this is a reasonable anthem 
the plus two plus one and have ward one for your legendary creatures it's like well now do i use this as like a build around for like a legendary matters deck like is the floor too low like i don't know like i think this is interesting it does a lot for potentially a little but it's like it doesn't do anything by itself i don't know what you're doing with this but it seems like it's doing a lot trying to think of like the mono white deck that people were playing and and, and this is the, not necessarily the best card to pair with shoal but i feel like that deck like you have enough legends in mono white where you have kithian potentially screlv you have Thalia, you have adeline uh there's maybe a couple others that you can go to that maybe there's enough to kind of get that together but at the same time it's like what are you doing differently than humans I don't know. I mean, it's like you said, it's got a lot of potential. I'm curious to see what, what Spike says about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like the card. It is really powerful. I actually disagree that it's like not a good card to play in Shoal because you have so many pitch spells in Shoal. Sure. That like, because it's legendary, you get to pitch the extra copies. I think that's kind of fun. I will say that the fact that it is legendary makes it like a little bit awkward of a build around because you can't have two in play, but like the Shoal, Solitude, maybe Force of Virtue plan helps with that. Um, I think one very exciting thing about this card is that it obviously is very good with your legends, but it, it also is a two mana anthem for the rest of your team. And like a two mana anthem is like historically pretty good or, you know, yeah. maybe not in modern, but like across formats, a reasonable raid. And I, I do like that, like Esper Sentinel, like your one drops in, in theory are going to be like legendary one drops and Esper Sentinel. And then having a two power Esper Sentinel is very, very good. And this card does seem specifically very good with Adeline, which helps protect your Adeline, gives it five toughness out of fury range, buffs your Adeline, and then also like buffs the tokens too. I will say that it's a card I like. It's not a card that I love. I think that it is, um, at the end of the day, a like it's it's a hard hard build around because it's legendary. Yeah. And I and I don't know that um it's gonna be something that makes a big impact, but it could it could it also end up playing better than than I might expect. Cool. I'll give you all free reign. You uh, Everett, you're an, you're our newest guest. What card have we not talked about tonight that you are into, that you are interested in messing with or testing or thinks going to make a big impact? Um, I, I like to talk about Flame of Anor a little bit. Um, yeah, it's on the list. I'm in. Yeah, it's like the Snapcaster Copium. Finally, some so like a real reason <laughs> to play Snapcaster. All right, so um, it's a yeah, instant. You get to choose one, but if you control a wizard as you as you cast the spell, you may choose two instead. The options are: target player draws two cards, destroy target artifact, or deal five damage to target creature. So why do you I like this? Shane's comment. <laughs> What's so it's so like, uh, let's go ahead. The one that's Which on Shane's uh, comment. The one that's on the the page says, "Shane, this can't possibly be good, right?" I bet people sure want it to be. <laughs> yeah, that's my take. I'm interested yeah, in your yeah. take since you brought it up, Spike. I I guess I'm people. Um, so like one thing, very obviously on a surface level, evaluating this card, if you always get to choose two modes, this card is very very good. It's like it's like Prismari Command, but deals five damage instead of two. You draw two cards instead of drawing two, discarding one. And the Destroy Target Artifact mode is obviously not relevant in every matchup, but is relevant in a lot of matchups. Yeah. And is 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 super nice to have Never access to. Never a bad mode. And obviously this card is like just meant to pair with Snapcaster Mage. It is Snapcaster is the premier wizard for the the kind of deck that would want to play flame oh, of i was gonna play viashina pyromancer yeah <laughs> that, as much as i do love viashina pyromancer checking um, the creature but, but type what, one problem is engine. that like <laughs> a lot of the other creatures you would want to play with this card ledger shredder drag rage's channeler ragavan murktide fable of the mirror breaker none of, none of those are wizards 
which is like you know means that you're not always going to get to uh do two modes on this another issue is like snapcaster is unfortunately a kind of suboptimal card at this point in time one kind of funny story is like during development this was one card that i was a little bit concerned about the power level on and i i suggested changing it to deal potentially three or four damage instead of five um to to balance like those snapcaster chains and i think that like like you know this was like two years ago snapcaster is a little bit more playable then i'm happy they didn't uh nerf the card at this point was it really more yeah, playable it, then. It, it was. I mean, it, it maybe it, it saw more play. Like people still like played a lot of Snapcaster in their control decks, like pretty immediately post MH two or like you know more than they do now for sure. But yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Like th there's a chance that this is the kind of card that like you need another card like Snapcaster Mage for these like flash control decks in modern, and then boom, this is like a competitive deck. Um, but uh, but but right now this is a card I'm very excited to try. So what are you going to do to build around it? Like, are you just really only going to try to do like Snapcaster stuff and that that's enough? Like it's enough. The floor is okay, but the ceiling is really high. And then you're just going to like, hopefully get some snap action going or other kind of wizard stuff or. Yeah. There's not really a lot of other good wizards. Like I don't think I'm reaching for Vendillion click. There's a chance that you can play it with Asmo who is a wizard. Um, but uh, I, yeah, it's, it's, I think that for right now, I'm mostly just going to be playing it in like a, Blue red Grixis just guy uh, Snapcaster control deck. Going old school, trying some yeah, value, some Snapcaster value. Yeah, Devin, what are you into? What have we not talked about that that you are curious about, or are you just not caring about the set right now because you're like, I don't play modern that much. You, well, you, I hit, you have hinted at Samwise a few there's, times. That's basically the one card that that I'm actually interested in playing in out of the entire set. So if you want to talk about Samwise, I'm down. Yeah, why, why don't you read it for us, Devin? You've I would love to. I would love to, Shane. Green-white for a 2-2 legendary creature halfling peasant. Whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, create a food token. Sacrifice three foods, return target historic card from your graveyard to your hand. Artifacts, legendaries, and sagas are historic. Uh, so there is a combo with this card. Yeah. There's a combo. Combo involves... Uh, Cauldron Familiar plus Sack Outlet is infinite. So basically, that is kind of the, the, the joke here. Now, a lot of the food decks, at least the, the ones that have been doing well recently, are they're kind of more on the, the spike shell, which is like Gruel with Asmo, Renin Six. They're not really going back to black. Like, people used to play green black with Finale and Cauldron Familiar. But now that we have, you know, another reason to play Cauldron Familiar, I definitely could see, you know, a, a build that is kind of, I guess it would have to be. Abzan, because maybe you're just like green black splashing Sam, and then you go back to Cauldron Familiar, which is oven, uh, and then you do that kind of stuff with Finale. But um, I'm curious to see how this kind of plays out, and I'm I'm pretty excited to play it. Spike, this is your kind of card, right? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I've definitely spent a lot of time with food decks over like the last year specifically. I actually think to some extent I'm thinking about this card differently than most people where I, I think like kind of what doom is saying so many people seem so excited about specifically the cauldron familiar combo and like the fact that this goes infinite with a sack out and cauldron familiar that combo is good to have access to it's nice for sure but it doesn't do anything like much more special than like malira kitchen fink sack outlet or devoted druid vizier this is like the same kind sure. of like th two or three card creature based combo that's disruptible and fragile but to me what's very very exciting about sam is kind of like the archfiend uh combo and pioneer is that sam is just a very good card in the food deck 
Sam is a card that I think you are actively happy to put in your food deck and you would be happy to play it if Cauldron Familiar didn't exist. But also Cauldron Familiar is a card that is fine to play in the food shell too. And so the fact that you're playing Cauldron Familiar and Sam, two cards that you're just happy to play in these archetypes anyways, and they go infinite with uh, like a Viserys here is very exciting. And so to me, I'm mostly wanting to play like a finale of Devastation build of Asmo where you play Cat, you play Oven, you play Sam. Sam is so nice being able to like return your Asmos, give you a lot of foods, return your Urza Sagas. Um, and you play one Viserys here, which you can finale for. And what's very cool about this is that if your Viserys here dies or you're able to like put it in the graveyard by sacking itself so they can't even exile it. And then you can get it back from the graveyard with a finale of Devastation later. And you can dig for finale of Devastation with like Sarah Sealseeker. You have a lot of card selection, yeah. which is kind of cool. Um, that's how I'm planning on building the deck. There's obviously like some d deck building decisions still on the 75. Like how hard do you go in a cat oven? Do you play Ranger Captain? Sam. Yeah, more of a yeah, more of a value because it is a value card. So like it lean is. into the value. Yeah. Asmo decks are value decks. Lean, lean into the Asmo. And then one more point about Sam is like Sam and Asmo, these are the only two cards that are both food enablers and food payoffs. Um, besides hard casting, fe feasting, troll king, you, you're usually yeah, yeah. Oko is <laughs> an, an enabler. Oko is not an, a, a payoff for for your food tokens, like a way that, something that you can use your food tokens for. That, I mean, does that make sense? Didn't like take turn an artifact into an elk or something? Uh, like that? Okay, I, mean, I guess I guess so. I ostensibly, guess so, yeah. it was. I think sure, it was sure, sure. intended to be such. That okay. was. I, I think. No, I think so. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but but at the very least, like a lot of time in the food deck, you have a board of food tokens, and like only Asmo is the only way you can get value from them. But now you have Asmo and Sam, which is I think a really big deal. No, yeah, the, ni the nice thing that I didn't think about with Sam with first is like the the initial food decks. I remember I don't think a lot of them had red, and I think it was I want to say it was Spike that the first person to add Ren for Ren and Six. But Sam just does a really good Ren and Six impression. You just get your sagas back. It kind of does the same thing where you don't you don't get I the agree, fetch yeah. lands back, but the fact that you can loop the loop sagas with it is really good. Yeah, big, I definitely definitely agree with that point, and uh, I'm I, I'm super excited to play it. Um, it's it's definitely like a deck that I'm like seriously considering in my Pro Tour testing, and it would be very cool to see Wise Games use some people at the Pro Tour. <laughs> Can we talk about Sam's wife, Rosie? Because I think I still think it's really weird that Dave called this when like we were not even we didn't have any cards spoiled at all. He was just like, yeah, Sam's wife, Rosie is gonna be like some part of some weird combo, and like and then she is. So <laughs> Rosie's two and a white for a one one. Uh, halfling peasants legendary when she etbs you create a food token whenever you create a token you put a one one counter on darker creature you control other than rosie and talk about easy combos isn't rosie plus scurry oak just like a combo that's it you just need two cards yeah that sounds and like it to me coco into both yeah that's the thing <laughs> is people are talking about hey you can coco into these that's kind of like the the, the secret sauce here is this a thing what was um, the other combo with a thing, yeah. scurry oak Oh, like a Helio um, thing or something? Is it the Denizen? Yeah, it's yeah, it's it, so there was a four mana creature from Return okay. to Ravnica, and I only remember because I just have every Return to Ravnica creature <laughs> burned into my brain. But it's like it's, 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 Ten Street Denizen, something like that. I think I'm pretty sure it's a Denizen. But oh, Ivy League uh, Denizen, that's the one. Ivy League Denizen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. it's but it's but like the fact that this it's basically the same card but one mana less. Yep. Um, and that's big because you can Coco into both of them and unearth both of them. And I think it's really not too much more complicated than that. Um, Will it be a thing though? I mean, that's the thing. It's just like, 
will this change anything about modern? Like, is it is it just another fragile combo, or is it not that fragile? You can just go off. Like, that's the thing. Is it just like we don't another glass? We have seen glass cannon decks in the past that fold to interaction, and it's like, hey, this is cute, but it's not doing anything different. One thing I do like about the combo is you don't have to untap with either of the pieces. It's like something that like. You, it's not like Devoted Druid, you have to untap with one of the creatures, then combo kill. You can just coke into both, win immediately. But I, I, I do I do think that it does is going to have some of those same weaknesses of being a creature combo in a format of premium creature removal. Yeah, I wonder if there's any, and maybe this is just kind of going back to like the roots, I guess, as it were. But I wonder if there's a way that you can build a Heliod deck that features Rosie plus the plus the Scurry Oak stuff. Because like there's kind of some weird synergies, like Rosie makes a food which gains life for Heliod. You have plus one, plus one counters, putting counters on Spike Feeder could be important. So maybe there's like you can kind of incorporate those two decks together. And obviously Coco is great in, in, with both of those combos. Um, so maybe there's something there, question mark? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would definitely what I'm excited to try. Sweet. Let's talk about a card I'm mildly excited to try. I don't know in what. Elven Farsight. Just a green sorcery. Scry three. Then you may reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, draw a card. So what are we doing? Like we have like a green sort of ponder, sort of preordain thing. Maybe it's just better than both of these, right? Clearly. Um, is our ponder and preordain better than this card? Is that the question? No, it's not a real question. I'm, 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 pro- <laughs> I'm proposing that Elven Farsight is the the most the be- the best the best cantrip I mean, we now have. I mean, it's it, Farsight is way better and modern than ponder and preordain because yeah, it's, it's legal, really good, right? <laughs> it's it's legal in the format, so yes. it's, it is way better. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how many more of these cards we have to see before people stop playing them. I guess it's <laughs> or like th- talking about it every single time. It's like we had the the Doesn't one do from. Anything. Mom, that's like it's an instant uh, surveil two, put a permanent to your hand, uh, gain two. Like that, the card also gains two life, and maybe it's like you know gets any permanent, but it's only two cards, three cards. It's like it's like li- literally what deck is playing enough creatures and wants a cantrip for this? A mm-hmm. cantrip that can't hit lands. Like hit, if it could hit lands or creatures, I would it would be a slam dunk. But I don't think this like fits fits anywhere you know yeah me, me talking about uh it's not the time of creature counter spells now i'm saying we need creature uh selection <laughs> tools so in green yeah i mean i mean in theory there is like a level where this card could be good enough like like scry five like if it was an ancient stirrings <laughs> then like sign me up um but like at its current level i i can't imagine putting it in in any deck like the, the decks that could play it are like hardened scales and elves yeah end of list and i wouldn't play them either either spot would you play an ancient like is there a deck that you would play an ancient stirrings that only found creatures so like green sorcery top five put a creature in hand would that um, be a playable card no i mean i don't think so <laughs> I, I, like there's there's like like right now you have i think like don't you have you have creature or enchantment and you have enchantment and land or creature and land for three cards you have enchantment and creature for four cards um Oh, adventurous yeah, impulse. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. adventurous impulse, and then there's there, there's another one that's a creature or or enchantment or land top four. I have played that. I have played that card actually, but um, yeah, I, Scry three is a little is like is a good amount better than just put it into your hand. Uh, if that True. since so like I I would play Scry five, reveal the top card, put a creature into your hand. I gotcha. but but also Scry five probably takes way too long to resolve. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's um, a lot of draw fixing. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I I think I think if this could, if this card could reveal creatures or lands, it would be modern power level at the moment. I don't think that it is modern power level. It's also like Oath of Nissa. Hits hits creatures or lands for three cards. 
Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get better than what's the what's the one uh, not the land one. or non land. No, no, no. The green net land or non land reveal. What's that? Oh, one abundant from, uh, harvest. Yeah, abundant harvest. Yeah. I don't think we're ever going to get better than that one in green. So yeah, just, that's just reprint once upon a time. Let's not do that. No, it's probably for the best. Devin, anything Shannon. anything else besides Samwise? It's the only card in all of this that you that you're interested in, or anything that we're not talking about yet. Uh, I mean, honestly kind of just samwise i'm looking through the set again I'm, I'm trying to find something but samwise is really the one that speaks to me the most yeah for sure and i mean I, like to be honest with you i've kind of been out of touch with modern so i'm not like oh yeah as as much into the this is, swing this of things as spike is but yeah i'm i'm pretty excited to play with samwise the rest of this mm, we'll see ever what are we missing what are we not seeing that you're seeing in this set he's not going to tell us for the pro tour he's not oh, you know what I mean? that, that's the when it so when is the pro tour and how uh, close is it to the release of lord of the rings it's the end of july um so there's going to be like four i thought five five weeks until yeah, like pe- until decklist are due from the set release um i don't know it's like like i'm looking at the same cards y'all are yeah, and right. they honestly it's like <laughs> <laughs> the, this is not Modern Horizons 3. No, not it at all. is like I think maybe a little bit stronger than the average standard set. But also standard sets now are like March of the Machine that are they're like standard sets right now are really crazy. <laughs> so I don't even know if that's true. True. Um it the the card pool is fine, but there I don't think there is any like big secret card that like that I see that other people don't see. I think I'm looking at Samwise in a little bit of a different way as like some yeah. players are. And I think that like, okay, the one ring, okay, the, the one ring is that card though. Okay. The one ring is broken. Sure. I think people have forgotten about it. Cause it was like an early spoiler. Like mm-hmm. I like, like the more I think about the one ring, the more I think that card is crazy. The more I think that like, this is maybe like, like, like one big problem I think that Tron has is that a lot of your cards are mediocre. Like Karn Liberated and Ugin just are not very good cards anymore. Yeah. The fact that this card seems like the fact, like seems so good in Tron, seems so good <laughs> in Omnath, seems so good in the combo decks, like legitimately could be a blue white control card. Although I tend to stay away from like life loss cards, uh, life loss card advantage balls in, in control. I am just like, I'm very excited about this card. I think it's a big deal. And, and I think it, and to some extent, and I'm not saying it's as good as Oko, I do not think it's as good as Oko, but I think it has the Oko effect where Oko and the One Ring both got spoiled really early before the rest of the cards came out. And whenever cards are spoiled early, people are like, I'll Just think about, about this it. later. Yeah. <laughs> I'll think about this later. There's like people kind of forget how good they are because they've been around so long and they also haven't played with them. No, makes sense. Uh, man, I, I hate to go after Spike saying, yeah, he thinks the one ring is potentially broken to be like, I, I do want to mention one more card that I Flip think it. is, I think it's interesting. It's a, a, a la font, a la font, and it's just five and a red creature, elephant trample six, four, uh, whenever it attacks another target creature you control gets plus two plus zero gains oh, trample to yeah. end of turn Shane that sounds bad I agree but it has mountain cycling one uh, you discard the card and you get a mountain so last week we talked about the troll of Khazad Doom as a potential living end inclusion because it has swamp cycling one and some relevant text living end doesn't really play swamps is kind no. of the issue right and yeah. but but it does play a few steam vents which have mountain types, right? So that is true. This card has trample. It gives another target creature you control more power and has trample. It probably ends the game 
pretty hyper efficiently and helps you get, you know, fix your mana. It's probably better than the troll that we mentioned last week. So I just wanted to bring this up as I think a potential living end inclusion. It's a pretty good card with very efficient, efficient cycling that also kind of gets around one of the potential issues you have with living end, which is your mana, getting the colors, always having three lands when you want. I don't know. I think it's pretty decent. Yeah, I, I could definitely see living in playing a couple. I'm trying to find the blue one. Yeah, I mean, there's a land cycler for each for each color, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think they're that. all kind of interesting. To me, I like the green one because you can get basic forest that lets you cast violent outburst through blood boon. Um, but to be honest, like every time like a new creature cycler comes out for living end or another card that goes into glimpse combo comes out and people are like, what do you think about this in living end? What do you think about this in glimpse combo? I, I, it's hard for me to get excited because they just yeah. don't change very much. You no, know what I mean? No, it's, it's like not, it's if not you're, breaking the deck. Open. Yeah, yeah, right. absolutely. And so like I, I do think the living end will likely play some copies. And I think one interesting thing is like does living end want to play less lands because they have these land cyclers? Is that an interesting dynamic? But yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not uh, I don't have many thoughts on this. Yeah, I, that's I, fine. I, and, and I think just a small tangent. Whenever people go, Spike, you can put this in the glimpse deck. Right? <laughs> you know, this is a new card for the glimpse deck. I just have a hard time even thinking about it because if you if you just glimpse into a bunch of stuff, you're going to win, and if you brick on your <laughs> glimpse, you're going to lose. And it's just, it's almost just not any deeper than that, you know. <laughs> right on. It's not changing the structure of the deck that much. Yeah. All right. So overall, it doesn't sound like you think this is going to shake up the format in a dramatic way. Besides potentially the One Ring. Um, and potentially, you know, some better counter spells with Stern's Golding, potentially some interesting combo options or value options with Samwise. I have, you know, I'm curious if Forge and U is going to actually do anything. Uh, I'm curious if the red spell that's kind of the anti Forge and U that we didn't talk about, the cast into the fire, I'm curious if that is actually worse for hammer than forge and you is good for it. So I think there's a lot of stuff in play here, but I'm, what I'm hearing you all say is like, you know, you're not amped for this set in terms of really shaking things up and, and dramatically shifting the fairly, you know, stagnant static modern landscape. Um, yes, <laughs> I, I, I will say, I will say that I do think there's a very good chance that Samwise makes food like a tier deck, like, like Again. higher tier. I mean, I actually genuinely believe that like the food decks are criminally underplayed at the moment. I think both the red green variants and the time sieve variants are both good decks that have a lot of game in the metagame. I have like put up very consistent results with them just to like not see, not see like a, a many people pick them up elsewise. And I, and I think this, and also think that the Samwise version is going to be the best build of all the food decks. And so like that makes that makes me really excited for for that archetype going cool. forward. And I think that you can see food being like a, a real tier deck or but but it's also important to note like no deck is a tier deck unless people play it. <laughs> yeah. Good point. True. I mean, very yeah. true. So I think that wraps up the set. But before I let you both out of here, um, I'm I do want to give you any kind of time platform on the pod to talk about stuff that you're working on stuff you're excited about in terms of your you know content creation in terms of your streaming in terms of anything like that like 
uh, Everett, I know that you recently kind of switched from the like the TCG CFB company over to Cool Stuff Inc. Uh, I don't know if you're doing any kind of content creation for them on their website yet or anything like that. I'm not. No, they're. I love Cool Stuff Inc. They're like they're very very cool. They're just being like a sponsor and sponsoring sure. the stream, and they they're paying for the space on the stream, which I think is awesome. That's great. I you know this this is kind of something that. Uh, and it's not to be too deep or anything, but for a long time, like the like make, make it as a magic player and the content creation field is you have a writing contract and you you write for yeah. a site and this is a big part of the thing. But I, I I think that article writing has become less and less popular in favor of podcasts and video content and Twitch content. Yeah, and I I think just supporting that style of content is is kind of the way of the future. So I'm I'm like very happy that Cool Stuff Inc is helping support me there. But yeah, for right now, my brain, I just have Pro Tour brain. Uh, I'm going to be doing some brewing like that I don't like, for, like I always do for Lord of the Rings stuff. I'll be doing like my own set review on the YouTube channel. But my main focus is preparing for the Pro Tour and helping my team prepare for the Pro Tour. And so my Twitch and YouTube channel is going to be a bit more like refine, like refining decks, playing mm -hmm. old decks, playing competitive decks rather than just trying to brew and trying to innovate like it usually is. And then after the Pro Tour, I'll be back to good old Aspiring Spike. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the kind of thing that, of course, we will be talking about as it happens and things like that in terms of the preparation. I'm sure uh, people will be linking to your videos and we'll discuss them in, on the Discord and stuff like that. And you know, if you're interested and you want to spill any beans, we'd be happy to have you back on in you know, maybe a month or so when you're in, in the testing mode, but you know, not spilling too many of your secrets, but just say, hey, here's the kind of things that we're thinking about, the kind of things that we're, we're working on. And it just, I think it's just cool to, to talk about process there right yeah i think for sure who's yeah. uh who are you testing with and working with is that public or uh yeah i'm doing like the cfb plus team so it's like you know reed and nasif and jim davis and mm, i've uh, heard of those people yeah just like you know all, all the greatest of all time and then me <laughs> <laughs> well i think for modern i think people probably want your particular point of view right and i think that's you know that's why yeah, I, think so. I think people like watching you that's why they like watching Devin, and you know the, hopefully why they like listening to us is that i think people they want people with you know potentially interesting points of view or thinking about things in a way that they don't and uh Devin, i know that one thing you were mentioning today on your stream was just like you're doing some more collaborative stuff and that's kind of something that you're working on is that something that uh you have plans for doing kind of just collaborative content creation besides with us, of course. I mean, Oh yeah, absolutely. I've been, I really have been trying to get some more collabs, like kind of doing some different types of content. So me and uh, Tandy and myself have kind of launched this new series. It's called the multiverse of magic where we kind of just pick and choose these decks, not necessarily like sometimes it's going to be cross format where we kind of just go back and, and pick an old deck. Basically we're just picking our favorite decks at this point and kind of just pitting them against each other. And uh, we had a lot of fun last week and I think we're going to try and keep that a weekly series and um yeah i mean i'm trying to find some other content creators to collab with i know spike's probably a little bit too busy but yeah <laughs> I, i'm really i really just want to uh, that's that's the type of content that i really enjoy watching and i i think that it could be you know there's there's a really good space for that in the magic community so i want to uh that's that's kind of my goal right now is work on that for the next couple months yeah, collaborative stuff is is great. That's why we've always liked, you know, working with you two and other people that we've had on the pod. It's just always good to just work with other people who are thinking about the game and having fun, just sort of 
you know, I look at it as giving back to the community, honestly. Like I know for you two, it's like part of your livelihood, if not your entire livelihood, but like, that's, what's so fun about doing the stuff is just that, Hey, you know, if, if somehow people are enjoying this thing every week and I'm having fun making it like, man, I'm, I'm happy. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that both of you all are, are, you know, still keeping at it and still, you know, hopefully having fun playing the game and, and getting better and preparing for the pro tour if you're aspiring spike. So thank you for being on. Thanks for coming on again. And spike, where can people find you on the internet, support your content, watch what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, aspiring spike on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, I'm doing a Marvel snap stream tomorrow. I'm you really are excited not. for it. I am. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. I've been playing quite a bit of snap. I, I've been actually me too. I played a lot less now. Like I was into it from like, you know, when it released, uh, maybe until about three months ago, I was playing too much. And like, I was, I was letting it be more than a casual game. And now I play it as a casual <laughs> game. And I enjoy it much more. Like I went from playing like 1500 games a month to like 250. Do you know what I mean? And like, now I just do my quest and have some fun. I upgrade some cards, make them shiny, make them sparkly. Uh, and what's funny is last month was the first month I hit infinite out of, you know, out of all my playing, the one I have the least amount of games in is the one I actually reach the end goal. So, <laughs> oh, that's um, and Devin, people can always find you where doom wake D zero zero M W A K E Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. Awesome. My friends, thanks for being on the podcast again. It's good to have you both on. It was fun to get your points of views that are different than our own. And I mean, honestly, I think actually pretty similar to our own on this stuff because there's nothing I think too wild, but I'm uh, always glad to have my old friends on. So that wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast, get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And if you use Apple Podcasts, you can leave us some ratings, some reviews over there. If you want to reach out to us, you can tweet us at the dive down, all one word, or you can email us the dive down at gmail.com. You want to support the show, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. You can also check out the store at the dive down.com slash store. Mana Traders coupon code, the dive down 2023, all one word for 10% off your first two months there. Of course, Barrister and Man, shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, all that good stuff. Use code, the dive down M23, 15% off your first order there. Nerd Rage Gaming, 8% off your order with Dive 8. Thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and find the one out of one one ring and get two million dollars